the life that God blesses. And we're going to look at uh, some things this morning, some, some pitfalls, things that will keep you from fulfilling your destiny. And then we're going to look at four antidotes to those. And we're going to look at Noah's life. And, um, and just a great, uh, in Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9, uh, just, we won't, don't worry, we're not going to read all, three, all four of those chapters, but we're going to look at those and at the story of Noah. And you know, it's interesting, we often uh, will start well, we can begin things well. How many know uh, people in your life that, that have the ability to start things well? Maybe they're creative or they're visionary, they can, they can get things rolling, but then oftentimes they will finish poorly. Well, I don't think that's God's heart. We need to finish well. You say, well, why don't people finish well? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. The first reason is poor planning. The Bible says that it's wise to plan. And so we want to make plans. In fact, uh, Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your ways to the Lord. Plan. And whatever you do, God will bless, it says in in, uh, Proverbs 16.3. But then there's another thing. There's some traps. There's some pitfalls. There's some problems that we will face as we experience, as we're on our way to meet or to experience our destiny. We will be tested on the way to, as we fulfill. You know, what's interesting. Our life is not a 50-yard dash. Sometimes I wish it was. How many could give it all for 50 yards, right? But you know what? Life is more like a marathon, <laughs> It's a long-term commitment, and it takes some training, and it takes some, some, uh, some uh, effort. It takes some, some um, uh, I'm not, I can't figure, find the word. It takes some, uh, I can't think of it. It takes a lot of hard work, okay? <laughs> Perseverance, yes, and patience, but that's not what I was thinking. We'll just wait till I get it. Let's see if anyone else can think. Discipline, that's it. Thank you. I appreciate it. It takes discipline, a lot of discipline. Teacher's pet. <laughs> I told Jessica uh, just this week, I said, I want to run a marathon this year. I don't know. I said, let's... <laughs> and it wasn't because of what I'm preaching, but uh, it's, been one of, it's been one of my 50 goals for about five years. Uh, I, I'd wrote out 50 goals, and I kind of review those yearly. And uh, I think this is the year that I'm going to do it. And I'm making it public, and so here we go, Jess. <laughs> and she said, well, that means you'll obsess about it. And I said, I don't care. Uh, I want to I do that. I think it's kind of one of those mile markers. It's important for me. And so anybody want to run a marathon with me? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> All right. So I got to find a Saturday marathon plan and, and train, and we'll do that. And uh, who knows? Now I'm really on the spot. What am I doing? I need to stay, stick to my notes here. But life is not a 50-yard dash. It's more like a marathon. And along the way, there are pitfalls. There are things that will be in our way that will, that will block us or hinder us from reaching all that God wants us to reach. And the first thing that uh, kind of is in, the, in our way is cultural distractions. If your life is going to have significance, it will be in spite of the culture around you. Do you realize that everything in culture pulls us down? (laughs) There's nothing in culture that pushes us ahead. Culture would say, think about the here and now. Think about today. Live for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. The idea to think 10 years ahead is foreign in most of our culture. Would you agree? And there's cultural distractions. Would you agree that there are lots of distractions on your way to your destiny? 
Yeah, there are. In fact, I just listed a few of these. The first one is pleasure. The idea that we want to have fun or a comfortable lifestyle or we want to live our lives full of entertainment. Now, these things in and of themselves, is, there's nothing wrong with these things. But if that is all that we focused on, and that's certainly what the culture would, would say is, hey, live, live for today, you know, the comfort, the creature comforts and entertainment, you will not fulfill your destiny if your life is only filled with things of pleasure. The second thing is possessions. The things that the cultural distractions, possessions will get you off track. Culture would say to have more is better. More, more, more. But you know what Jesus says? That a man's life does not consist of the abundance of what he possesses. Do you believe that? Our culture doesn't. They want more cars or more this or more that. A bigger this, a bigger that. Keeping up with the Joneses. Another cultural distraction is popularity. You say, well, I, you know, when you're a kid, you, know, you want to be popular, right? I, every kid wants to. My, my daughter is 11. She struggles with that, doesn't she? And we talk about that and you know, what does it mean? But you know, as we grow, <laughs> as we hit high school, as we hit um, college, as we you know, enter into the workforce, I believe even to the, to the end of our lives, there's a, a sense that we want to be popular. And, and you say, well, what does that look like? Well, you want to be loved, right? You want to be respected. You want people to look up to you. So we kind of we ter- uh, take that terminology, popularity, and we, we make it a little different. We, we're, we care about our status. But if you always worry about what others will think, you will not reach your destiny. That is so true. The fourth cultural distraction is profit. The get rich. Boy, you flip on the TV at night, and there are show after show they will teach you exactly how to get rich. What you can buy, and they will teach you how to do it. But that is not why we were created. There's nothing wrong with riches. I believe that God gives riches. In fact, I believe that a blessed life, there is prosperity. Uh, I, I believe that with all my heart. But these cultural distractions, each of them will test us. Will we get beyond those? If we focus on these things alone, we will not reach our destiny. The second pitfall is voices of doubt. Voices of doubt will test you. Dream busters. Once you establish a dream and you start to share that dream with others, you will not, uh, there will be people in your life that will not want you to achieve what God has put in your heart. You can call them what you want, whether they're critics or cynics, whether you say it's the culture around you that doesn't want you, the voice of the culture, the voice of media, the competition. Um, it could be the devil. They would say, hey, you can't make it. You can't do it. It can be friends. There will be a voice of doubt, and it can certainly even be your family. But do you know what the biggest voice of doubt many times is? It's yourself. That's right. The voice inside of you. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Another pitfall is tempting shortcuts. Tempting shortcuts. Moral shortcuts, ethical shortcuts, financial shortcuts, relational shortcuts. And the temptation in our culture is to go faster and, to do, and not to worry about if you get it right. Culture values speed. But you know what? God values doing what is right. And in His time, shortcuts are always going to be short-sighted. And so we got to be careful, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. The fourth cultural distraction is discouraging delays. 
delays, difficulties, detours, sometimes just flat out dead ends. You're going down a street and you're saying, I made a wrong choice. I need to turn around and start over. There are going to be times that there will be delays. And these, these pitfalls will keep us from achieving our destiny of what God wants for us. But there are four antidotes to these four traps. And they found, they're found in Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9 in Noah's story. Now, when you think of Noah, what do you think of? The ark, right? Who built the ark? Noah, Noah, who built the ark? Noah, brother Noah built the ark, right? You guys know it. And we think about the ark, we think about the flood, we think about all the animals, right? That's the first thing that might come to our mind. But I want us to focus, instead of on the ark or the flood or the rain or the animals, I want to focus on Noah, the person. Because what Noah did and what he became are the same things that you can do and that I can do and the same things that we can become to be blessed in the next 10 years. And the first thing I want to uh, show you is that when it comes to cultural distractions, the first pitfall, the antidote to that is this, that I must be different from my culture. I want you to say that with me. I must be different from my culture. We cannot fit in and be different and make a difference all at the same time, right? Culture is heading one way and God is heading the opposite way. And you say, well, was this true in Noah's life? Well, let's look. Genesis chapter 6. Turn with me to Genesis 6. Incredible story. Genesis chapter 6. And we'll look at starting, well, let's, let's just start in verse 1. It says, when men began to increase in number on the earth and the daughters were born to them, verse 2, the, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not content." Uh, with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. And just by the way, how many years do I uh, always say that I want to live? My, my wife, she's like 120. I say, I want to live 120 years. And uh, I, I use that verse. I don't know if it's, it will happen or not, but I want to live that long. Rick, you, you have people in, how's the, what's the oldest person that you guys have cared for? 106. Are they still living? Oh. Well, well, maybe someday you'll care for me. Not a... All right, verse 5, verse 5, back to Noah. Listen to what happened. This is 10 generations from the time of Adam and Eve. 10 generations. Verse 5, it says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Wow. Ten generations in, verse 12 says this. It says, God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. And you say, well, Noah's time, it must have been pretty bad. Well, I would ask you, what's the trend in our culture today? You know what it says in Luke? Turn with me, keep your finger in Genesis. 
But look at Luke chapter 17. It's, it, uh, God, uh, Jesus is talking about the end times and some of the, the signs and the wonders that will happen in the end times. And then he talks about Noah. He says, just as it was in the days of Noah, verse 26, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man when Christ returns. It says people were drinking or eating and drinking, marrying and even given uh, in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. And you know what's interesting is that the same thing will happen today. I believe that our culture is not necessarily going to get better. It'll get worse until Jesus returns. Look at verse 7 and verse 8 back in Genesis. I hope you kept your finger there. Genesis chapter 6, verse 7. It says, So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. This was a horrible situation. Ten generations in, and God is saying, I am sorry that I even created man. But then in verse 8, it says this, But Noah, but Noah. I want you to circle those two words, because those two words saved the world. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Let me just ask a question. Would God save the world because of you or because of me? I don't know. But he did because of Noah. Noah was not concerned with others. He wasn't concerned about their thoughts or their approval or the popularity, the trends, and we'll talk a little bit about it. He was determined to fulfill his destiny. And we cannot be the same as the world, just like Noah, and fulfill our destiny. Our goal cannot be what others will think, but instead, we've got to be different. We've got to be different. And I can't stress this enough, and I've talked about this with several of families within the church, about being different, about going against the culture. And I just believe that, that I can only make a difference in my family if I'm different in my family. I believe that I can only make a difference in my career if I am different in my career. I can only make a difference here at this church if we're different as a church. We can only make a difference in our community if we're different from our community or from our world. And you know what? Noah, his life, God smiled upon Noah. And I believe God wants to smile on your life. Look what it says in verse number 9. It says, this is the account of Noah. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. And we'll talk about that in just a second, about walking with God. The second pitfall was that we could listen to voices of doubt. And if we're going to listen to voices of doubt, or if we're not, we can't do that, the antidote to that is this that I must listen to the voice of God. Let's say that together. I must listen to the voice of God. And Noah did this. Just imagine for a second with me about Noah. Imagine the dream busters that must have came along in in his time. 
saying, you are crazy. Noah was building a boat, not just like a little boat. He was building a ship, a battleship in his front yard. Now, what's interesting about that is that he was building this a hundred miles away from any water. He was building a ship. They didn't have any big movers to move ships. He's building it. Can you imagine what his neighbors thought? Can you imagine them saying, where's the homeowners and, you know, uh, whatever it's called, the association? This can't be. We got to stop this guy. He's bringing the property values down. And then think about his family. He had kids. My kids are embarrassed, my daughter especially. When I come to pick her up after school or after an event, and I, you know, my, I, I, I'm honest, my car is loud and it's rusty and it's okay, but it runs great and I'm thankful for it. It's a blessing. But I pull up and just, this is no lie, just this last week, or is a week, it was not this week, but the week before, I pull up to pick up Reagan after, after school. And she rolls her eyes at me when she gets in my car. I said, what's wrong? She says, Dad, I am so embarrassed of this car. And I said, all right, let's get out of here. But imagine Noah and his kids, his three sons saying, Dad, are you serious? Dad, do we really have to build a boat? I tell you, the voices of doubt in Noah's day must have been huge. Would I be willing to undergo this kind of pressure decade after decade? I don't know. But you say, well, why is it important to listen to the voice of God? Why was it important for Noah to do that? Well, the fact is, is there will be dream busters along our, in our lives. Critics and the competition, cynics, you fill in the blank. People that will come along and they'll say, who do you think you are to try this? Who do you think you are to raise your family in this way? In this economy, you're going to start what? Forget it. Don't even think about it. There will be people that will come along aside of you. They will put their arm around your shoulder and then speak doubt into your life. And we have to be careful of that. It happened in, in the Bible. Jarius, uh, the, the guy that had the daughter that had died, the people around him said, don't go and bother Jesus. She's already dead. Did he listen to the voice of doubt? No. Joseph's brothers were filled, Joseph, with doubt. Their voices were, you are ridiculous. Those dreams of yours, forget it. It will never happen. But Joseph didn't listen. You know what's interesting? Even Jesus had people in his life that would try to fill him with doubt. Did you know that Jesus had brothers and sisters? They were half-brothers and sisters, obviously, because they didn't have the same father. But you know what? At one point in Scripture, in the, in the Gospels, Jesus' brothers came to him and said, uh, don't say that. It makes us look funny. And they, they were embarrassed by some of the things that Jesus was saying. You know, even in my own life, when I first was called into ministry, and I love my mom, and I'm going to tell you something about her, and she knows uh, about this. When I first was called into ministry, it was at, at a revival service. In fact, there was one week, a guy named Danny Duval came to our church and was preaching every night. We were there every night. And then they decided to do a second week, a full another week. It was during the second week that God got a hold of my life and encouraged me uh, that I was being called into ministry. 
And I came home the, the night that I felt that call into ministry, and I told my mom. And my mom, how many would say, you know, moms love their kids, right? They want what's best for their kids, right? And what my mom said was not false, but it wasn't the encouragement I certainly was looking for. What my mom said, she said, Ben, that's, that's great. I'm glad you feel that call to ministry. She said, we all are called to ministry. And she was true. She, what she said was, was correct. But I knew deep down in my heart that God was calling me to serve him, to give my life. And you know what's interesting is I, that, fall, that uh, call drifted for a few years because of that seed of doubt. And my mom, of course, she did not mean to do that. But, uh, but it's interesting, even those closest to us, those that care about us, will at times speak doubt. The fact is, though, there be, might be others that come alongside, maybe a brother or sister, a mom or a dad. There may be people at school that will think you're crazy or what you're trying to accomplish in business, business partners. They'll say, man, you're crazy. But the biggest dream buster, like we said before, oftentimes is yourself, is you. We often talk to ourselves uh, and sometimes we'll say that things, you know, oh, things are, are good when they're not. <laughs> Or we'll say to ourselves, ah, oh, things are bad, when they're really not that bad. You know what the Bible says? It says our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Do you know what that means? Is that we have the ability to lie to ourselves. <laughs> I have the ability to lie to myself. And Noah, he didn't listen to his own voice. Because you know, over the years, as he was building this ark, Noah must be thinking, am I crazy? Is this ridiculous or what? Look, turn with me to Hebrews chapter, chapter 11. What's Hebrews chapter 11? For those that you know that your word, it's the what chapter? The faith chapter. And Noah is in there. Verse 7. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Now listen to this. He listened to God and he saved his family. He trusted God. He had faith. Even when the culture was going a completely different direction, he had faith. He listened to God and let God direct his paths. You say, well, how do you hear God? Anybody want to know how you hear God? I do. You hear God by getting close to Him, by drawing near to Him. For some of you, that means that you need to turn off the TV. You need to turn off the radio. Students, you need to take the earbuds out of your ears at times to listen to God. <laughs> Man, the parents were all excited about that. You know what the Bible says? It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. You know what that means? It means sit down and shut up. Who just said that? That's what my notes say. And what's interesting about him, about Noah, is that he walked with God. He heard God. And it says in uh, Genesis 6, 9, 
that he walked with God. And you know, if I'm going to walk with someone, I, I need to be unashamed to be with that person. When I first met my wife, we, would, uh, we were on a missions trip, and I thought it was awesome to sit with her on a two-hour bus ride. We were going in the same direction. We were getting to know each other. I was not ashamed to sit by Jessica Malone at that time. I was proud of that. And I need to be proud of walking with God. I hope you're not ashamed to walk with God. And then you need to be going in the same direction and at the same pace. Now, I'm kind of a big walker. I can walk pretty fast. But when I walk with Jessica, I need to slow down. Her feet are you know, not as big as mine or her strides are not as large as mine. And so if I want to walk with her, I need to be going at her pace. You know what Amos 3.3 says? It asks the question, can two people walk together if they don't agree? And so we need to be in agreement. And Noah was in agreement with, with, uh, with God. You know what the result is of listening to God, of hearing his voice, of walking with him, of listening not to the voice of doubt, but listening to God's voice? The result is that there is no fear. Fear is erased. And I'll just say, if you're afraid of your finances, you may not be walking with God. If you're afraid of your marriage, you may not be walking with God. If you're afraid of your career, you may not be walking with God because when you listen to the Holy Spirit, it casts away all fear. And God, he wants to impart into you great faith. And Noah, he was unafraid. The world was going one direction and God and Noah were the only ones going the opposite way. The third trap that we want to talk about is tempting shortcuts. And the antidote for that is this, that I must do exactly what God tells me to do. Let's say that together. I must do exactly what God tells me to do. Last week, we talked about the nine steps um, uh, that Eleazar took to fulfill the promise in his life and for Abraham and for his master. Well, Noah did the same thing. Genesis chapter 6, verse 22 says that Noah did everything just as God commanded. Wow! He did everything. Chapter 7, verse 5 says again, And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him to do. And in verse 9, again, it talks about them filling the ark. And it says, And they came to Noah, and they entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. Now, the interesting thing is there must have been all kinds of questions in Noah's mind. First of all, he's saying, what in the world is a flood? Did you realize that up to that point, we were talking about this on Wednesday night in prayer, that it had never rained up to that point in history? Ten generations, they lived a long time, these people, but it had never rained. Saying, what is rain? And then he says, well, how do I build an ark? Well, if you read the account, it tells him how to do that. You've got to follow and, and do exactly what he says. But then he's like, well, how do I get it to the water? 100 miles. I got this boat. I don't know. And then to round up the animals, we used to have fun with that in kids' church, thinking about how in the world we're going to get snakes and alligators and elephants and giraffe on the ark. There must have been questions galore in Noah's mind. 
And it's not like Evan Almighty, if you've seen it, you know, and uh, he orders the truck and you know, Home Depot delivers all the lumber. They had to go knock down the trees, shave them off, and, and uh, you know, make them the right length. And it must have, there must have been questions. And you know what's interesting? We don't see Noah complaining or arguing. His faith was incredible. And what about you? In the next 10 years, I believe that God will bless what he tells you to do, even if it's hard, even if it doesn't make sense. God will bless it if you're listening, if you're walking with him. You know, what's interesting is many times God will call us to things that are difficult. I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but there's a guy, um, and I heard this when I was a teenager, when I was just about to graduate high school. I think it had just happened. It's a true story. It's about a guy that was uh, going down the road, and he felt impressed in his heart to go to a 7-Eleven. Do you guys know what a 7-Eleven is? They don't have those around here. It's like a, like a convenience store. Yeah, like we really don't have those around here, do we? Used to. Well, anyway, so he, he felt impressed to go into a 7-Eleven and to get on his hands and knees and do a headstand in the 7-Eleven. Now, He's thinking, what in the world? What am I, you know, why? <laughs> why, God? <laughs> why would you have me do this? Well, this, he, he went ahead and he did it. And what was interesting is God had a reason for that. And you may have heard the story, but the guy that was working that night had made a commitment and had said, if someone comes in tonight and stands on their head, I'll put my faith in you, God. True story happened in the Detroit area, and God used a crazy <laughs> situation. You say, why? Jessica laughs at me, uh, and I don't, sometimes we don't know why we, God calls us to do things. We were at a worship service at our last church, and um, they, this was early on after we had graduated college, and we're still new and you know, getting our feet wet, and uh, and they used to have a, an American flag and a Christian flag. <laughs> She's laughing already. And they, they had these two flags and, um, uh, on our stage. And I felt impressed in my heart to get the one flag and just to wave it during worship. Just kind of, you know, go back and forth. And I'll tell you, I battled that. In my, I'm thinking, that is going to look foolish. What am I going to do? You know, and I did. <laughs> you remember, Jess? She remembers. You want to tell the story? So I'm, I'm up there, and, I'm, and nothing really happens. The song ended. You know, the worship time ended. I put it back, and like no one said anything. And I still don't know why God called me to do that, but I was faithful. I, I don't know. Maybe I missed God. Maybe he said to pick up the American flag, and I missed it. I don't know. But you know what's interesting? Is that along our way, God's going to tell us some things that are difficult. And the temptation is to take shortcuts, to say, well, okay, I, I think you're saying this, but I can get it to it this way. I can do it my way. You know, last week when we talked about Abraham, he tried to take a huge shortcut. Him and Sarah, they weren't able to have kids late in their life. And they're saying, okay, God, we've got this promise that we're going to be a great nation through my lineage, right? And what does Sarah say? Take Hagar and have a son with Hagar. And you know what, Ishmael? was born. And you know what's interesting? That shortcut, we are still paying for that today. And, uh, and it is dangerous to take shortcuts. Oftentimes we'll start 
off bad, you know, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, things don't get off the ground like we think. What's more important to God is how we finish. Now, Noah, I bet along the way he was tempted to take shortcuts. I just can imagine saying, okay, God, let's just do half of the animals. I'm allergic to dogs and cats. Let's leave them behind or something like that. But Hebrews 11:7 said that Noah listened and it saved his family. And the true thing is about your life is that you will be tempted to take and to skip steps, to take shortcuts. I was just filling out, uh, getting some things ready for my taxes. Let me just give you a real, real um, honest, um, uh, you know, transparent look on how this might look, at least how it, when I was thinking about this step. You know, last year I had the opportunity to go back to my uh, last church and to preach, and they blessed us with a, a very, uh, to us, it was a huge honorarium, and and uh, we were like, oh, praise the Lord, you know, and it was great, and uh, and and so we had this. I didn't even think to take taxes out of that money that they gave me. Well, we get a 1099 in the mail, and I'm like, oh man, do we really have to claim this? <laughs> you know, and I'm. And I, for a moment, I was tempted. I'm saying, you know, no one will know. What are the chances I'll get audited? You know? And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. If I want to be blessed, I need to do things right. <laughs> and I don't know what tempts you, what shortcuts come along your way, relationally or emotionally or uh, what shortcuts in business or whatever. Do it God's way. Even if it takes a little longer, there will be times that you'll be tempted to skip steps. The fourth one, and we need to kind of move along here. The fourth pitfall, discovering delays. Oh, Lord. The antidote to that is this, that I must never give up. Let's say that together. I must never give up. Things never happen immediately. Would you agree? <laughs> it seems that way. You say, well, why, God? Why does it take so long? Well, it takes so long because God is working inside of you. He's more in, uh, interested in your character than he is about your career or about your finances or about whatever. He's interested in you. He's shaping and molding you. And how many know that, that sometimes that takes time? Well, in Noah's life, the potential for discouragement was huge. How many years, does anyone know, if you've read ahead or you know the story, how many years did it take for Noah to build the ark before the flood came? Five years? Ten years? A hundred years? A hundred and twenty years. A hundred and twenty years. Forty-three thousand eight hundred days. The culture's going one way, and Noah's going another direction. You say, man, that's a long time. You know, and the culture around us would say, don't plan. Uh, you know, nothing in culture says to think ahead. But you know what? Noah, he thought ahead. He had a plan and he listened to God. But along the way, do you think Noah felt lonely? Do you think he ever felt fatigued? You know what's interesting? Go with me again to Hebrews chapter 7. This is really, really uh, powerful. When we look at that, it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, 
He didn't see any sign of a flood. He didn't even know what rain was. He didn't know what God was up to. But Noah never gave up. He never gave up. He never gave up. The Word of God says, do not tire in doing what is right. I love it in the, in the Message Bible. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. And so the word of the Lord today for you is don't give up and start today. Start thinking about five, ten years ahead. What is it that God would put in your heart? What do you desire? Can you believe for God for that? You know what, just a side note, what's interesting about the ark and the whole story, it's really a picture of salvation. Do you realize that if you are not a believer, we're going to give you a chance here to get your heart right with the Lord here in just a second, but this is a picture of salvation. How did Noah build the ark? He built it by faith, believing God. And the same thing is true for us. We are saved through faith. By faith, we're saved through grace. And I'll tell you what, God desires to work inside you in such a way that even though there will be discouraging delays along the way, maybe discouraging delays in your family planning, and I think of situations, stories of families, even here within the church, that for years they wonder, oh God, we want more kids. Why is it taking so long? Maybe you've experienced different, uh, different uh, hardship along the way, different, different tragedy that happens. And I look around us and we say, man, why does it take so long for God to touch me, to heal me? Why does it take so long for, for my kids to come around? I, God, I know your word is true, that my kids will return and, and they're going to serve you and you're standing on God's word. But why does it take so long? Along the way, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. I, you must never give up on what God has for you. Don't give up. I want everyone here to turn and turn with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 as I close. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9. I believe that God is looking for people to bless. The life that God blesses 2 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. He's looking all over the earth. He's watching you. Why? To strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. Why? To strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. If you're going to experience a decade of destiny, you need to commit your ways to the Lord. And God will come alongside you with these four antidotes that you have to be different from the culture. Students, you must be different at school. Businessmen, you need to be different at the office. Moms, 
You need to raise your kids in a different fashion than what the world is saying. Dads, you need to raise your sons and daughters against the culture of the world. You say, yeah, but my kids won't fit in. We, Jessica and I, we have struggled already. My daughter's 11, not so much with Logan yet. And God had put it in my heart that, you know, I want to be involved in my kid's life, right? And so I went to an event with my daughter at her school, and it made me uncomfortable. And, and Reagan and I, we talked a little bit about it. Now, did that change Reagan's desire for the next time that event came? Did she want to go again? She did. And at least for now, at least for this last time, a couple weeks ago, he said, honey, I know that you want to. I know your friends are going to be there. It just wasn't a good environment. Those are hard decisions. That is uh, counter-culture, at least in our lives. But you know what? I want to live my life different than the way that the rest of the world is going. And I believe that when I choose to do that and when you choose to do that, yeah, there may be some lonely times, some fatigue along the way. You may have an upset son or daughter or an upset spouse. But you know what? God will bless it. So we need to be different from the culture. We need to listen to the voice of God. When God puts a, a dream in your heart, you need to plan and to take steps to achieve that. You need to do exactly what he says to do and then never, ever give up. Never give up. You know what's so interesting? God says that he never gives up on us. His desire is that no one would reach eternity without making a decision for him. And this morning, in just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to do just that. To say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I'll just say this. If you are here today and you are away from God, or if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, don't leave here today until you make your heart right with the Lord. Okay? This morning, we didn't receive an offering at the, uh, when we normally do because I wanted to go right into to the message. And we'll, we'll take an opportunity here in just a moment to do that kind of as a response. I want to deal with salvation for those that are away from the Lord. But then I want us to deal with these four antidotes. The idea that you need to be different from the culture. You need to be listening to God. You need to do what He says and never give up. And I just believe that God wants to deal with your heart in one of these areas or more. We want to give time for that to happen. And then the third thing I just want to mention is that I'm not encouraging you to do this and say, yeah, hey, that's good for you. And, uh, and just going through life and saying, yeah, that's good for you and not trying to apply God's word in my life or for our church. 
And uh, I just want to say we've got an opportunity as a church uh, on March 6th for our annual business meeting to come together on a Sunday night, 6.30. We do it once a year. And I want every single one of you to be there because not only are we going to take a quick look at what God has done in the last 10 years, but we're also going to lay out some things looking forward, saying this is what we're believing God for. And I'll tell you, it has caused me to be on my knees. And I'm doing what I've realized recently, and I'll, it'll be in my state of the church address, so you know, for those that come, you'll hear it twice. But you know what I've realized is that as your pastor, I must be listening to the voice of God for where God wants this church to go. I did something recently, had a lot of different appointments, kind of talking about our future. And what was interesting is that each appointment, I came away good people, but kind of foggy, saying, okay, oh, they're, they're thinking something different. They're thinking something different. And I realized I have got to know where we're headed. And as your pastor, I'm committed to listen and to let God continue to lead and guide this church. And I believe that as we do that, God is going to continue to help us along the way. I believe that. I believe that. I desire that. And I don't just desire it for the church. I desire it for your life, for your situation, for your family, for your kids. Could we commit to these things? Let God work in our hearts? I believe he wants to. I'm going to ask that everyone bow your head, close your eyes this morning. The first step in achieving any kind of destiny in the next 10 years is to get your life right with the Lord. And if you're here this morning and your heart is away from the Lord, maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you a clear opportunity to do that. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you've never asked Jesus into your heart. And the culture and what you might be feeling is like, there's no way, I'm not going to raise my hand. But you know what? It's the first thing perhaps that you will do that goes against the culture. And God is calling you to do that. There are some here, I believe, that have given their hearts to the Lord and maybe you feel like you're away from Him. And maybe that first point that you must live different from the culture maybe has grabbed your heart. And maybe you would be honest to say, today, if, if the Lord was to take my life, I'm not sure where I'd spend an eternity. At the same time, I'm going to ask that you would raise your hand and let God save your heart, save your soul. Who here this morning would respond that's never given their heart to the Lord or maybe you're away from the Lord? Yeah, thanks. Who else this morning would be in a moment of honesty say, that's me. Forgive me, Lord. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, good. Yeah, three hands. Who else this morning would say, yep, that's me. 
help you, Lord. Yeah. Could we pray for these three? They raise their hands. Father, I just pray that as each one of these that raise their hand, they're feeling a desire to go against the current of our culture. And Lord, they're going to need your help to accomplish that. And Lord, I just pray that in this moment, Lord, that you would strengthen them. Give them the, the, uh, the encouragement they need to never give up on you. To make clear-cut decisions in their lives to serve you. To obey. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just save those. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. All of us. God, if we all took a look at our, this last week, the fact is, is we're sinners. And God, just save us. Help us. Help us in our weakness, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward at this time. And we're going to receive an offering, and then we're going to open up the altars to pray.